Hi everyone, it's the 200th episode of the Stay Hungry podcast and today we're talking about why having a vision is important. Bloody hell Andy, 200 episodes. I can't believe it's amazing. It's dragged, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) I didn't read your WhatsApp properly either. The questions I put together, nothing to do with vision. Oh, well, that's fine. That's fine. A few of mine aren't, so that's that's cool. But I'll, um, I'll do that in the 201st podcast. I just thought we'd give people a, a brief history of why we do the podcast from a marketing perspective. Um, so, yeah, why do we do the marketing? Why do we do the podcast from a marketing perspective? Excellent. I, I was asking myself the same question when we were four or five months in because it did... Bugger all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and, in fact, that's one of my questions to you. Number seven talks about people giving up on their marketing too early. Okay. But, we can come to that. Okay. Well, it sounds like you've asked me really serious questions. That's interesting. Uh, God, I have, you know. I think there's two that are semi-serious. Oh. Is there any fun in there? There's one. Good. We're really, <laughs> we're really encouraging you to listen to the rest of this episode. So it's, anyway. You've got to learn something as well, Joel. It's got to be educational, this podcast. My mum tells me you just piss about too much on it. Oh, she's, yeah, because she's our target audience. So, sorry. Um, oh, brilliant. <laughs> going to get in the neck now. Mother, again. So... Yeah, I, we set up the podcast with a view to sharing value and knowledge with with our target audience. But obviously, on, on the other side of that, a lot of the conversations we have now, people say to us, oh, I've listened to your podcast. It's, it's, a, it's a really good draw for us being able to showcase our knowledge and expertise, but also becoming accessible to, a, to our audience in, in more places. Yeah, I'd say that's that's a commonality almost between our most bought-in clients is that, oh, yeah, I've been listening to your podcast for ages. Oh, I liked it on episode 123 when you talked about, and it's like, what? Fucking hell, like I, said, I can't remember last week, let alone 100, episode 123. But that's that's the slow burn, isn't yeah. it? Like in, in this age where you want everything now, you want everything yesterday, the idea of maybe launching a new piece of marketing, like a new channel, like a podcast, and being okay with not seeing any results for six months, seven months, maybe even a year. That's, that's hard. That's too much for some people, I think. Yeah. And I, I mean, there won't be many businesses, organizations, charities, radio stations in Shropshire, in the West Midlands that have hit 200 episodes. No, I wonder how, I wonder what the percentage is of businesses that start up a podcast and stop within the first year. Yeah. Because if, if you, I mean, we talked about non-negotiables on other podcasts, mm-hmm. but if, if you don't make it a non-negotiable, it's one of those things that just won't happen. It's one of those things that gets pushed to the back of the list. Has to get, yeah. I mean, it, it really winds a couple of people in my family up how my life is ruled by my diary, but that that's how I get shit done and still spend time with my wife and kids. So the podcast recordings go in our diary. Yeah, I think I think people do really struggle with that. I've just had a, literally just before we've recorded, I... I have lunch booked into my diary to make sure I have lunch, uh, no, which, time. which goes to explain <laughs> you were actually having lunch whilst I was doing this. But it goes to explain how strict we are about our diaries. But I actually had to go and see my nan, and uh, and then when I got there, she's like, "How come I haven't seen you for ages?" I was like, well, "I've been quite busy, nan. Well, where have you been? Like, well, I've been to America, <laughs> I've been to London, I've been to Anglesey, and uh, all in the space of like three weeks, and." Uh, so I just showed her my diary. It's like, well, 
This is... Was she amazed? This is our, yeah, she was a bit shocked, yeah. She's seen an online diary before. Yeah, she's, like, frustratingly okay. She's good enough with technology that she can troll me on social media. Blimey. But bad How enough. How old is she now, then? 86. Fucking hell. That's good going, isn't it? Bloody, what, using Google Calendar and stuff, then? She wouldn't have an online diary, but she knows her way around social and she understands what I'm showing her. But, um... But bad enough with technology that I have to go and fix her Wi-Fi. No, I to do that. You know the drill. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, enough of that. We've got to stop saying that. Why is having a vision important? This isn't one of my questions. I'm just working this into it. Well, so you know where you're going. So you know what underpins everything you do. So many people, they 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 get frustrated because they they're going around in circles and they feel like they go around in circles. It's because they don't fucking know where they're going. Yeah. I, I heard Why it really do you do what good. you do? Uh, to make money. That's usually the answer. To make money, what, that's it? And it's not true. <laughs> very, very rarely is that true. Yeah. So, yeah, an analogy I heard was that it's like having a car, tuning the engine, filling it full of fuel, uh, making sure it's comfortable, getting it immaculate, getting in it, and then just pressing the accelerator. You don't know where you're heading. You've got no route. You've got uh, no reason. And and I think for me, you know, the vision for the business and, and the vision personally is about kind of, no, it's not a goal. So it's not about knowing, it's not about something that I'm looking to achieve. It's about knowing where the journey's heading. And, and they are slightly different in the sense that I think when you're of an entrepreneurial mindset, when you tick off a goal, there's very little reward. It's just something you expected of mm-hmm. yourself. Where having a very firm destination means that if you have to take a different route or go off road, you're you're always coming back to that north star. And I think you can't do your marketing, you can't do your sales, you can't do your accounts, you can't do your forecasting without knowing where you're headed. Yeah, we're big on this talking about um, – I talk a lot in my videos about the day-to-day grind mm. because it's so easy to turn up and somewhere, somehow, the shit's going to hit the fan, a prospect's being over-demanding, a client keeps ringing, a staff member calls in sick, your printer's run out of ink, mm. and you can so easily get pulled in all these different directions. Unless, you, unless you're, you've you got this clear vision, you know what you're doing, and you're stripped with the plan to take you towards where you want to go – all this other shit will just control you rather than you controlling your business. Yeah, um, yeah, and, yeah. And that, t- to have time, dedicated time to work on the income generating tasks, to spend time with your family, whatever it might be, it's got to take priority. But so often it gets to five o'clock, you're like, fuck, all I've done today is try and replace my missing staff member or try and Google ink toner and try and ring back my customer who's not happy and you yeah. have actually done what you so you know our non you know one of our non-negotiables you know at, at the moment for me got to make at least three calls a day or you know so so whatever your non-negotiables are write them down and look at them every day so that's always goes into my journal in the morning so I start my day with intent yeah I love that on that on a similar, a bit too deep here you know quite like serious. it on a similar note yesterday um I've got a mindset coach well as of you and uh he made me write Get your money back <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> so, 
He made he made me write down in the last seven days all the good things that have happened and all the bad things that have happened. Well, not really. All the things that I've loved and all the things that I've disliked. And then he made me underline the three things that I loved the most, the things that really got me ticking. And then he and then he made me sort of calculate how much time I'd spent on the dislike column, how much time I'd spent on the like column, and how much time I'd spent on the three things I'd underlined. And I, pretty much everyone else that was there, 80% of their time was spent doing the tasks they dislike. Blimey. Did they give any examples of what these tasks were? Oh, were yeah. there commonalities? Yeah, a lot of, you know, a lot of it was admin. Um, but then it was, it was the th- surprisingly, a lot of people don't like quite hefty elements of the business that they've created. And so then we got talking about vision. And it's like, well, your vision can't be right if it's forcing you to do so much. Everyone has to do some things they mm. dislike, but forcing you to do so much that you dislike. And, you know, in our game, that might be email passwords, for example. Don't um, go there. But it's that whole, if you're very, very clear on your vision, you can be much clearer on the things you can stop doing. And that's a very powerful place to be. Yeah. Blimey. I should crack on with these questions then. Right. So it's also important to have a personal vision. Yeah, I've got any of that. Yeah. So sorry on my questions to you. Yeah, I know. I'm just I'm just setting us up. Okay. So we can get into this with some context because you, I know what you like. So really important to have a personal vision. As a business owner, obviously your personal vision and your business vision need to knit together because if they don't, at some point there's going to be some confrontation. And if you've got a business partner, even more so. So you and I are pretty attuned with where the business is headed and also kind of what we want out of it. So go on then. I think we'll do... You you can interview me first, and then I'll interview you. Oh, I mean, okay. I think you got the wrong end of the stick, so you just can ask me ten random questions. But then I'm going to ask you roughly ten questions about personal. Vision. Oh right, okay, yeah. So um, question number one: mm. What's your favourite social media platform to use for business? Oh Christ, that's got nothing to do with vision. <laughs> so that's the most vision-like one in the whole ten. Oh God, really? Mm. I like Instagram, um, and the reason I like Instagram at the moment is their collaboration tool. So, and he hasn't even accepted the collaboration yet. So this is a terrible piece of evidence, but I posted a a reel yesterday and within minutes it had had 70 likes within minutes. And then a couple of people DM me saying how much they got out of it. And I was just like, bloody hell, that's powerful. And you know, we're fortunate to have had some really heavy hitting guests on the podcast and it's just brilliant that I can create a post, use the collaboration tool and essentially access their audience and I'm doing them a favor at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I love that. I, on a personal level, um, I'm not that fussed about social media anymore. I use Twitter a lot because I'm big into NFTs and crypto and that's where everyone talks before they get into Discord, and I haven't quite. Discord's not really a social media platform, and I'm, I, I think you have to go in deep or not at all, and I'm not sure I'm willing to get too deep into it. So yeah, Maddie uses Discord. Yeah, probably to talk about gaming. Under thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Talk about Roblox and Minecraft and stuff. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I use social media a lot less than I used to, but yeah, Instagram is my favourite too. Um, can't be doing with TikTok, tried it, no, just 
Life's, I, life's too short. I, I got to be honest. I I really I really enjoy TikTok in terms of um I've seemed to have got it in a place now where it shows me stuff that is actually beneficial to me rather than just brain meltingly funny. Remember we went out for dinner with that guy and he was saying he he'd start looking at TikTok and before he knew it he'd look at his watch and an hour had gone. I, yeah, I don't I don't don't need any more I, of that. I, I just can't get to grips with that. Hmm. An hour of just looking at these bloody 15 second videos with some crap rap music playing over the background. This no. But yeah, TikTok the way it's going obviously yeah we're using TikTok um, advertising for a lot of clients. So blimey if we can use it to get more results for our clients. Happy days. Totally on board with that. But as for spending my evening scrolling and scrolling. I, I, yeah, I mean, my TikTok is mostly haunted by a rubber chicken doing covers of 80 songs at the moment. So. Do you ever wonder what, like, like geniuses of yesteryear would think about it? Like, look quotes on our wall. Henry, right, I don't know. There's a quote next to me, for those of you not watching this on YouTube, from Henry Ford, and it says, anyone who stops learning is old, whether at 20 or 80. I love, I love that one. I wonder what Henry Ford would think I mean, if he walked in and saw people just hunched over a phone, scrolling not, and scrolling. Not scrolling. as old as Henry Ford, but there was a time, you know, 30 years ago, where someone thought Mr. Blobby was a good idea. So that's just, it's just of its era, isn't it? Didn't old Edmonds make millions by betting on Mr. Blobby getting to Christmas number one or something? Did or, he? Or was that an urban myth? Because it was his invention, Mr. Blobby, wasn't it? Did he actually come up with Mr. Bobby? I, I think he did. It was on, it was on House Party, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. It wasn't his idea, but I'm sure he won loads of money. Anyway, listen, we're digressing. Um, question two. Question two. Uh, number one thing you do more of if you go back to when you started in business. Oh, so it's a business question. So these personal questions are very business, aren't they? <laughs> so, um, are we supposed to do a personal business? Yeah, personal vision, this is. Oh, fucking hell, right. Um, I'm just going, yeah, they're, they're, they're mostly business. Okay, well. It's a business podcast, isn't it? One of us has got to take this seriously. Okay, brilliant, yeah. IT, up. how are we going to knit our personal visions into our business vision? And then Andy burns it down. It's pretty much how every day goes at Cobra. No. It's on your toes. So, what would I do more of? Networking, which is mad, because I was like, I went to the opening of an envelope for the first five years I was in business. Okay, well, can I stop you there? Mm. Uh, I know you've got to give a, a, a genuine answer to this one, but don't talk about networking because that comes on to my next question. Okay. But is that the answer? You do more networking? I'd connect with more people. Does, okay. that, does that help? Okay. So number three, does traditional breakfast networking have as many benefits as it used to? So there's a few elements here i mean you, you're literally just grilling me this is ridiculous this was meant to be fun so yeah um i think if you're just starting out in business you know you know i've got a cough if i open up this cough suite will it make loads of noise i'm just gonna turn your mic off and talk so all right he's back in the game yeah traditional breakfast it's networking it's just it's a cough suite there's a lot of people that go into business Nothing from really. from a place of um They've been relatively successful in their careers for a long time. They've got a little black book. They've got contacts. So maybe they start out as a consultant or they pick up their first few clients literally from people they already know. If you start in business like I did where I was young and I didn't really know any other business owners, I think that whole breakfast networking circuit is a great way um, 
to sort of cut your teeth and to learn how to communicate. And in my case, um, you have a lot of preconceptions. So, oh, this this is what a successful business owner looks like. This is what they drive. This is how they talk. This is, and then you go to a breakfast network meeting and <laughs> realize that is absolutely not the case. However, you should still be selective about the ones you go to. So, um, I, the most successful ones I've seen is where a group of like-minded individuals have set it up themselves together and then because they all trust each other over time, it opens up referrals and opportunities with, with their contacts. The worst, well, the worst one for me has always been BNI where you can it's like forced referrals and you, you sat in a room. Um, I think, and this probably sounds a bit cruel, but you've got to be really wary of the ones that are kind of like a hobby for some people. So they do it for the social aspect, not for the business aspect. I've got no problem with that, but it's damaging for the hungry business owner that wants to grow. You can get, you can get lured in on a false pretense. It's just what you said about BNI, because back in the day, that was almost the only one available. Mm, that's the one I started but with. As strict as it is, interestingly, that's still going strong in, in a lot of the country. So whereas some of the more informal, so the more fun ones are, yeah, I, I much prefer yeah. doing this one rather than B&I. B&I is too strict, man. Some of the informal ones have like died a death, whereas B&I that has that rigid structure that isn't for anyone and everyone, and it certainly wasn't for you or me, but it clearly works at some level for some people. Yeah, and I think the the beauty of B&I, after I've just slated it, I should probably, is... um. If you go into that environment, you're far less likely to be surrounded by junior employees mm. of an accountancy firm or a solicitor firm, um, which in a lot of like local networking, you can often find, though, I mean, and rightly so, those firms use it to send those people out to teach them how to communicate and mm. see how committed they are. But it's no good to you, the business owner that needs someone to talk business with. Um, so I, th- I think all forms of networking are always going to be important. But you've got to be selective with all of them. So, Joel Stone, I ask you again, does traditional breakfast networking <laughs> have as many benefits as it used to? Yes. Oh, okay. Brilliant. Excellent. Number four. Yeah. Are you ready? It's a deep one. It's about personal vision. Okay. Oh, you sure? Have you just changed it? It is. Who's your favourite goonie? Oh, God. Have you done this on purpose? No, I just didn't read your text properly. No, as in like this question. No way. I Please hate, tell me you've seen the Goonies. I hate the Goonies. No. Yeah. How did I not know that? It's, what? It, why? I just like. So I'm a little bit too young for the Goonies to have hit right. So I watched it in retrospect. Um. So my my film of, of that age was Hook. I loved Hook. And right, right. Let me clarify. Right. You prefer Hook to the Goonies? Yeah. Fuck. Salman Dustin Hoffman? Yeah. Oh, God. Scott. Shit, that's, that's like career ending. It's tremendous is what it is. Wow. Blimey. So, so tell, tell me, what don't you like about the Goonies? It's like, so, I mean, and you'll be aware, like, I love 80s pop culture. So, like, I love... Ba- not. I love Batteries Not Included, mm-hmm. uh, Flight of the Navigator mm-hmm. I'm really into... 
So all these like, well, Goonies isn't really sci-fi. It's like adventure, I suppose, isn't mm-hmm. it? But, um, you know, E.T., uh, what's um, Johnny Five? Short Circuit. Oh, he's in Succession now, isn't he? Oh, you might. How far have you got? I'm absolutely miles away from that uh, point. Johnny Five's in Succession. What's his name? The guy who's been married to Michelle Pfeiffer. Oh, I see. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I love, I love all that, and, and you know the Karate Kid films, the Turtles films, and stuff. At the same same time. Yeah, but the Goonies just didn't land for me at all. Um, but I'll, the caveat is, um, I had a horrible girlfriend at the time, and she made me watch it. So maybe that maybe that's the real reason. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, so if you move on to number five, then okay, you'd be telling me you don't like Star Wars next. Um, oh, we haven't seen the latest Obi One. Have you watched it? No, I forgot. Okay. Um, Slash, I was doing a webinar with you. <laughs> number five, code breaks making inroads into the states. What other country would you like to do work in? Like to or have? <laughs> like so, to, like to that I've never done work in. Mm-hmm. Oh. So I, I think it was deep, Joel. I think I've done work in all the major England English speaking countries. Um and I've done work in China. It'd be really interesting to do work with a completely different culture. People that approach like like Japan. Like, yeah, let's go with that. Like people that approach the culture of work completely differently. Um, particularly with marketing, because if you look how Japanese brands advertise themselves, it seems to be like two extremes. You have Honda, which is kind of like, seems very mechanical and regimented. And remember the advert they used to have where the cog rolled down the stick and then it hit something else and that swung around and it hit something else and a marble went down a marble run and eventually it pushed the car along. You're looking at me, but well, I have no idea what you're talking about. Well, sounds like a scene from the Goonies. They set those traps. Very, there. very famous Honda advert. Oh, okay. Um, but then they have like the other side of like like they're like real extreme loud anime screamy weirdness like watermelon flavored Kit Kats type thing, and just as a someone interested in marketing, it'd be really interested to look at the marketplace and be like, how can you be so serious and so crazy at the same time? What's what's occurring? Oh, okay, I was going to say Australia. Have you done work in Australia then? Yeah, have you? Quite a bit, yeah. So, uh, fortunately, coincidentally, my uncle owns an agency in Australia, so I did loads of freelance work for him, yeah. Nice, nice. Um, number six, favourite TV ad of all time? TV ad? Mm-hmm. Oh, favourite, almost memorable. Yeah, either. You, you choose. I'm going to say both. So, most memorable. The one that I always remember is the Guinness advert with the surfers, the bum ba dum bum ba dum bum 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 Um... I have low alcohol Guinness in the fridge. Bought this morning. Well done. Not low, low alcohol. Very um, nice. My favourite advert of all time was for First Direct Bank. Uh, and it was a black and white advert and there was birds in the trees. And the birds start beatboxing. And, oh, and it, I was like, what the hell is this advertising? And then it was about how First Direct Bank was like banking with a difference. And it just, re- it just like... I was like, that is absolutely magnificent. Blimey. Number seven. Why do people give up too soon? No one likes feeling discomfort. Normally when you're on the cusp of success, you're probably in more discomfort than than feels okay. 
Um, I think we're very, very fortunate to live in a society where a lot is available to us now. So it's much easier to give up. Um, that's, you know, there's some, definitely some feisty people out there for sure. I mean, you know, this is the stay hungry podcast, but, but there are also people out there that when it comes to it, don't know how to push past that point. Um, do you find it's becoming almost a bit more celebrated? Giving up. Giving up, failing. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I used to have a real fear of failure. And um, and I've taught myself there's no such thing, which has really helped. Because as long as you learn something from your losses, it wasn't a failure. Um, but then, yeah, I, and I know what you're getting at. But certainly that whole, like, everybody at school gets a medal no matter where they come in the race thing really concerns me because you don't learn your biggest lessons from your victories. You learn your biggest lessons from your losses and it's okay not to be good at everything as well. And even, even in a, in a business environment, you know, we've got people in our team who are really good at certain things, but they're crap at other elements of marketing. And that's okay. Cause that's why we have a team. And I, this kind of like self-congratulate, I don't even know how to say that word, but that self-congratulating celebratory nonsense where it's like, oh, well done, you showed up. Well, I should fucking hope so. It's kind of, it's kind of where I come from it. And, and I absolutely think, you know, that there are exceptions to that rule. Some people taking part is a far bigger achievement than winning is for others. Mm. You know, you could be talking about people with disabilities or people with horrendous trauma. Just the fact that they took part is a massive win. Mm -hmm. But if you're kind of on a level playing field, I, I don't buy it. But, and like you and I, we've both been through stuff and we still show up. Like there's just no excuse. It's a bit like there's no excuse for being late. You just you just do show up. That's a deep question. Mm. Deep answer. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. That's yeah. All. No. No. That's. I didn't want. I didn't want to sound like an ogre, but at the same time, I do feel really strongly about it. Like a really good, a horrible thing I do to suppliers that I think people may or may not judge me on. Because if I make an inquiry, and then they come back to me, and I and I'll be like perfect let's talk on such and such a date and they don't come back to me again i will never buy off that supplier because they they don't keep their word they don't do what they said they would and i'm generally surprised now if something or someone turns up on time um one of the simplest ways to succeed in business i think is to do what you said you do yeah. So, so I'll see you at ten. I'll see you at ten. Not not five past ten. Or I'll get that report to you by Friday. That's Friday. That's not Saturday. <laughs> I, I really upset Hannah last year with this because we got um a well known estate agent to come and value our house, uh, take the photos, and they said, Oh, well, I'll send you the valuation and the listing on Thursday. And that that was his words. And then he texted me afterwards to say, Expect your valuation and listing on Thursday. All right, signed. 
it didn't come till Friday. Um, and I wasn't happy with the valuation either. So it gave me it gave me a bit of extra. But immediately we changed the state agents. And I was like, oh, God, we've got to go through it all again. So this guy's not selling our house. It's not happening. Because if someone comes for a viewing and he's five minutes late, that might be a sale loss. So I'm not, I'm not doing it. Yeah, if you can't do the little things right, why should I trust you with the mm. big things? Number eight. Mm-hmm. A professional sole trader starts up. Let's, let's say they're an accountant and business grows nicely. What position should they first recruit for? So what do we say? They're an accountant. Mm-hmm. So sole trader accountant starts up and business is going well. What's the first position they should recruit for? Yeah, so they, they've, they've got to take on their first recruit in what capacity? Entirely depends. There's two questions they need to ask themselves. Um, what do they hate doing? Because there's just no point doing mm-hmm. the stuff you hate. Uh and what's going to make the boat go faster. And so they might hate doing sales, in which case get a bloody salesperson. Uh, yeah. But they might hate doing admin, getting admin. There's so many var- variables, and I don't know how to hit the nail on the head, but I think you need to you do the list of all the things you love, all the things you hate, and figure out what gets the low value hate tasks mm-hmm. off your desk mm-hmm. the quickest. Yeah, like a quadrant thing, whatever you call it. Yeah, so I guess, like, for some people that might be a VA or a PA. For some people that could be, like an accountant, it could be a bookkeeper. Um, but it's, yeah, whatever gets either the low-value tasks or the low-to-mid-value tasks that you hate off your mm-hmm. desk the quickest. Nice. Um, number nine, what are your recommendations for compartmentalizing? I thought okay. we have a mindset one in there. Yeah, no, that's good. So um, I've alluded to had a fairly colourful life. Um, throw an example down on Saturday. I'm going to a high security mental unit to visit my dad. So that takes a fair bit of compartmentalization. <laughs> And obviously the stresses of business, the stresses of life, yada, yada, yada. I think, and I don't always get this right, and Andy will definitely uh, attest to that, but I think journaling has really helped me compartmentalize because it helps you focus on the things that are going Mm -hmm. well. also helps you pat yourself on the back for the nice things that you've done that otherwise you might not get credit for. Um, And I think... I try and do it with a bird's eye view. So if I'm really feeling tension and you can't do it once, once you've let the tension get too much, you have to identify it before that point. There's no point if the elastic band's about to snap, but once you start to feel that tension, take a deep breath, breath work, massive on, um, and take a bird's eye view of what's going on. And I guarantee you it doesn't, particularly in in this country, there will be some positives that you can look at. I I certainly don't think you should be locking the negatives away in a box to never revisit them. But taking a bird's eye view will allow you to see some of the positives and some of the negatives. Um, It'll allow you to take the negatives off the table that you can do nothing about. So that's the kind of like write a list of all your worries and cross out the ones you can't control. 
And it'll also allow you to see the reality of the situation to be more present. And very often when you're, when you're thinking about having to compartmentalize, it's because you're not being very present and let, you know, unless you're in a war situation or something awful is happening to you, being present is usually the answer. And I think if you can just take that deep breath, look at what's going on. For most people, things aren't as bad as they seem. Yeah. What's that phrase people keep saying now? This this too shall pass. Who was that? Oh, yeah. Um, Denzel Washington. No, does Tom Hanks say it on the Graham Norton show? I can't remember that. Yeah, this too shall pass is a big one. And then uh, a coach that we know said, um, it's never as good as it looks on the outside and it's never as bad as it seems from the inside. I think that's a, that's, that's brilliant. That's yeah. Brilliant. Last question. You'll be sad to know. What are your top three tips for making your website work better? I do know. Your for questions some, are so different. <laughs> for someone who's already on the website, so not all about getting traffic to it. Someone's on your website. Yeah. What are your top three tips for making them more likely to inquire to take action? Okay. So, um, never have more than two calls to action across your website. Mm. Um, well, that's a good one. So there's a matter of websites that will go on now that want you to buy, sign up to their newsletter, inquire, book a discovery call, book a call back, and scratch your nose. And you're just like, well, which one is it you want me to do? Um, so, and I, and I... Ideally, only have one call to action, but I, I stuttered on that because I know that we have more than one call to action on our own website. I was literally just going through counting them Yeah, but the main calls to action on our website are what is essentially book a discovery call, so mm. inquire and one of the team will call you back. Um, or we we drive you to leave your data behind, essentially. Um, and I think you need to be that clear to people, you know, Imagine that someone's going at 100 mile an hour in a car. Like then, their day's probably going 100. If you're a business owner, your day's probably going pretty quick. Um, and you need to give them a direction that's coming up fast. It's no use saying, well, turn right. Or you could turn left, but it'll take you a bit longer. Right. Or carry on straight. It, mm. They'll get bored yeah. or, or they'll just crash the car. Oh, okay. That's a good one. So that's one. Right. Um I don't think in this day and age anyone should ever be on a site where at any point, whether they're on a phone or a laptop, it isn't easy to find your way around. And sometimes you can be at a point where you've scrolled to and you're like, well, how do I get Mm. to this bit? Or how do I inquire? Or how do I get back to the top was one that me and you were talking about the other day. Or how do I find out if this company's legit? And you just got to really think about what it is. When someone's looking at that section of your website, what is it you're trying to get them to do? And if they can't do that from that place, mm-hmm. you've got a problem. Nice. And then, and then the third one is is trying to cram too much in. I think you you have to have enough to explain what the transformation will be for the prospect, yep. but you don't want to have so much that you over-explain it with the risk then being that 
they go away and try and do it themselves, or they t they switch off, mm -hmm. or your competitors figure out your process. And that that's an art because I mean, even our website, the the length of the copy, the amount of images has fluctuated loads over over time. But there's a lot of websites out there that are style over substance, and there's a lot of websites out there that are. I don't know what the word for copy over substance is, but they just drivel on. So, yeah. Cool. Yeah, I think we can. I mean, when you love what you do, it's easy just to write and write and write and write. And sometimes, yeah, you give so much rope, someone hangs himself. Like you say, all this stuff that they want, and they're like, yeah, brilliant, 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 brilliant. And then you say that one line, they go, oh, no, I don't want that. Yeah. It's gone, sale, sale lost. Yeah. There we go, right on cue as a podcast being recorded. The shitty little car with the stupid big exhaust. Can you hear that in the background? Not that Andy has a grudge about it. No, not at all. So, I and mean, you should hear Andy's car when he starts it, to be honest. But, uh, right, my Take turn. Orange Twingo. My turn. I think you're getting it a bit easier than me. Oh, really? Excellent. That's what I like. It's mostly about vision. Um, Your favourite goon is a very hard one. Yeah, well, if I knew their names, it'd help. Um, <laughs> question one. Talk to me about the hot pen technique. Not even a question. I just want to, what is the hot pen technique? Okay, so um, get a, I say a piece of paper is not, not enough. Get a notebook um, and a pen and imagine where you'd ideally be in life in three years' time. Um, get that sort of in your head. So roughly, you know, right, okay, in three years' time. I'm not talking about like, being stupid, like, well, okay, I'll, I'll imagine I'm a millionaire and I'm on my super yacht in Bora Bora or wherever that is, um, near Cardiff, I think. Um, I don't know where Bora Bora is. Yeah, Maddie keeps going on about it. Loads of, like, influencers go there. Is it Bali? Oh, it might be, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I'm not talking about being stupid, but, you know, have a goal, but be a bit realistic as well. And what do you actually want? And anyway, before you go any deeper, set a timer for 15 minutes, get your notebook, get your pen and start writing, describing what you're doing in three years time. And the only rule is you, your pen cannot leave the paper. So even if you end up writing, so it's um, all joined I, up. Hey, it's all joined up. <laughs> um, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. You've got to carry You've got to carry on writing. So it could be right. I'm, I'm living with my wife in a cottage in Devon. And my kids go here and every day starts with, a walk. We're so looking forward to Disney Labo. But you write, you write and write and write. And at the end of it, you'd be quite surprised. And what I do, I do the hot pen, pen technique every quarter. And if ever I'm feeling a bit like shit or not sure where I'm going, it's almost like subconsciously that becomes your personal vision. So I keep referring back to it. And I've got like, you know, I've got an A5 notepad. I just refer back to it and like, right, yeah. This is what I'm working towards because this is what I want. Mm. Stability for my children, the cottage, whatever it might be. And it works really, really well. Not many people have heard of it. So some people might do theirs every bloody year or every six months or every five. I don't know. I like doing it every quarter. And generally speaking, say if you do do it every quarter, over the course of a year, that vision might not change too much. I was going to say, how long have you been doing it now? Uh, nine months. And... Have you noticed much change in the three times you've done it? Yeah, I've noticed uh, not drastic change. It's just nine months. But 
I think we talked about this morning with one of our new coaching clients. Um, money is still very important, but not as important as it was nine months ago. Other things have got a, uh, become a bigger priority. Um, or maybe that's just, maybe it's just fucking getting old. Mm. It's interesting. I think, it's it's well. hard because, yeah, I mean, if, I mean, it's hard to say no to your kids anyway, but, you know, I've got two daughters and they know. Mummy says no, go and ask daddy. But I don't True. mind saying no to them, but I'd hate to say no to them because I can't, couldn't afford to it. Now, if they turn around, if they turn around, I want to go and hold them Bora Bora uh, for two weeks. I mean, without having a clue how much it costs, the answer would probably be no. Um, maybe it is too much money, or maybe it's like, well, actually, I'd rather have three holidays in Ibiza for the same bloody price. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, there are certain things like, well, I don't want to say no because I couldn't afford it. So money is important. But, yeah, it's corny. It's not as important as health of the people around you. And ideally, you want, you know, you want all three. You want relationships, you want your health, and you want your wealth. Um, but in terms of, that freedom, which has always been important to me, you know, um, often talk about a friend of mine who's mega, mega loaded, and you think he has it all. But when I got the opportunity to go to get some tickets, like VIP tickets to a Star Trek convention, get to meet like William Shatner, I called him up all really excited. And he was like, oh, I, I, no, I can't do this weekend. I just got too much work on. I'm like, well, you're fucking multi let, let bloody your team do it. No, 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 honestly, I've got this. And I was like, well, so, so, so I'm not saying he's not happy. I'm sure he's very bloody happy. But for me, I was like, yeah. Yeah, there's, yeah. there's financial wealth and there's time wealth. Yeah. Yeah. And I would get a balance of the both. Um, so, yes, yeah, so the hot pen technique, found it very good. If you think it's a load of bollocks or a bit woo woo, just try it. Because I thought it was bollocks nine months ago. But I thought, well, you know, I'll give it a go. And yeah, it's, it's, it's surprising because I think I think the theory is, I'm sure you can Google it. I'm sure the theory is because you can't stop writing, got that your subconscious does come through. Yeah, and maybe it's like, oh, right, look, I've I haven't mentioned Disneyland once, whereas I thought all I really want to do was be able to take the kids to Disneyland. I'm talking about a cottage by the sea, you know. So so yeah, it's it's cool. Yeah. So on that note, then, what is your vision? Your personal vision? Um, you're all clued up on this kind of stuff for me, but my personal vision, and my business vision are the same, really. I know, I know, I think at first we called it, I think we called it our vision. Then we called it our purpose because our vision, but it's always be always, even before I met you, before I met Emma, before I started up in business, it, not don't want to change the world, but helping people and having fun. And maybe the helping people, because my mum and dad, they're, you know, doctor and nurse, and they've always been about helping people. But sometimes, like many workaholics, you might forget to have fun. And so, yeah. so even though it's just all weird that that's become code breaks mantra. I, I had a massive realisation on this in the last 12 months, and it's, I'm still struggling to come to terms with it now. But, um, and, and I think you go through the same, to be fair. Sometimes we help people when we shouldn't. Oh, uh, massive. Yeah, massively. Like, like my dad did. Yeah. And so, you know, you justify it to yourself. So you'd be like, oh, they haven't got any money, but they could really do with my help. Or mm-hmm. they've been unwell, so they need my help. Or um, 
they're a nice person, so they deserve my help. Mm-hmm. Whatever it is, you to justify it. And I've I've only recently realised that that's my own ego, and that's a really tricky thing to say to yourself. All right, if you're if you're convincing yourself it's the right thing to do because you're a nice person, that's your ego, and that's that's a really that's why why many people don't donate anonymously to charity. It's really difficult. Yeah, yeah, but like you and you would know with me, for example, that there are lots of people I've helped. And I've not told anyone I've helped them. I've just helped them to thought it was the right thing to do to my own detriment. And actually, when I take a step back from that, that's negatively impacted my wife, maybe my family, my home life, maybe the business. And so ego of being a nice guy, mm-hmm. whether or not it's like a, a conscious thought, has, has really bitten me so when we say help people and have fun we mean help the right people and have fun and you can't really have fun if you're helping the wrong people because it it always comes back to get you an example of mine is really helping this guy who said he couldn't afford it and then he drove past me in a brand new sports car (laughs) i was like oh that's really hurt or um you know i've got situations with family members where i've really really helped them and then it's just bitten me in the ass, basically. Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard because you're not going to stop helping me, but like you say, you'd be more selective of who you do mm. help. Because the other fact is you can't help everyone. Um, and it, it's it's hard. That's that's probably what I have to work the hardest at not being bitter about, mm. is when I know I've sacrificed time with my wife and kids to help someone, and there's just no gratitude for it. And in the end somehow I'm still labelled the bad guy when all I've tried to do is bend over backwards to help them. And I can almost understand, you know, there's a lot of fucking hard-nosed people in business. But sometimes I can see that, I can see the appeal of that. Yeah. They don't get mugged off and I hate feeling mugged off. So, so I guess like my gauge for it now is have like, if it's a client or a supplier or a prospect, have I done what I said I would do? And if the answer is yes, then it's that whole take a bird's eye view thing. So I've done what I said I'd do. So now take a bird's eye view. What's the right thing to do moving forward? And if, if giving them a bit of help is the right thing to do, fine. But my, my gauge now is, is this adversely affecting my wife? As in, am I spending less time with her? Am I coming home stressed? Am I uh, unable to sit and have dinner with her that evening? because I've helped someone beyond what I promised to do. It's like going the extra mile, but don't run the extra marathon. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes you think, shit, I've done a lot and, more and the extra like mile. We've both seen our dads do that. Yeah, and yeah. I think sometimes there are some people out there that, not maliciously, but you go more than the extra mile, and they'll take advantage, and you're the one that will perhaps get used a little bit more than someone who is a bit more hard-nosed and will say, no, fuck off. Yeah, the right? whole, like... That's not what we agree If you want something to do and ask someone who's busy almost. Yeah. 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 So my next question kind of has been answered, but question after that. So this is a deep one. Oh, God. Pre-COVID... Who's your favourite Star Wars character? Yeah, yeah. No, pre-COVID... Who would yours be? Hans favourite Star Wars character. Or is that just too, too cliché? Max Rebo. Which one's he? The Blue Elephant plays in the band in Jabba's Palace. 
he must have been happy when the director's cut came out then or whatever it's called. It's is called. he in it more, is he? Yeah, they do the whole the whole song, don't they? Oh, do they? Yeah, yeah. Is that when they did the VHS director's cut? Must be when when yeah. Jabba was a slug. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Why? Who's yours? Not Max Rebo. Surprisingly, no. I, I got to be honest. I really am enjoying Obi Wan. Um, not obviously the original Alec Gillis wasn't in it too much. Um, no, it'd still be Han. Always was as a kid. Was it? Always he as was. a kid. Because obviously Yoda's a bit of a go-to when you're a kid. Nah. He ain't got a blaster. He's got a bloody force. Yeah, he doesn't do much with it apart from in, in the original yeah, trilogy. Yeah, he just, yeah, he lifts just up a plane. a ship. Yeah. Messing with some pebbles. Yeah, Yoda's shit. Yeah, no, Han Solo. <laughs> and, and then, God, I remember my friend Simon, how excited he was about, he told me, like, the guy plays Han Solo, he's done this other film. It's called Raids of the Lost Ark. I'm like, what? And we went and see it, and it's like, holy shit, this is even better than Star Wars. That, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Han Solo, Indiana Jones. And the next one's coming out, is it next year? The next what, Indiana Jones? Yeah, they, they finished, finished filming it for sure. Is he in it? Yeah. Christ. In, in, a, in a Zimmer frame. Indiana Jones and the tale of the Zimmer frame. Yeah, exactly. Right. So... Uh, yeah, what I was going to ask, pre-COVID, and I don't mean your vision in terms of like company vision, help people and have fun, but pre-COVID, what did you think your vision for your life was? More money-focused. Mm-hmm. More. I've got to be careful because I don't want to, again, I don't want anyone thinking, not there's anything wrong with it, that I'd be quite happy to be a pauper. I say, again, no, but... Yeah, even in my ch- in my children, to be honest, even they they, they probably wouldn't even realise, but they've reallo- reevaluated what's important for them. Because to be honest, for us, for, for lockdown, of course, it was shit for for most people. But we always try and look at the positives. And for us, there there were some really good days, all at home together, eating three meals a day together. When the first lockdown happened, it was sort of March, April. The weather was glorious. We sat in the garden working, um, you know, running, cycling, no pollution on the roads. It, it was it was peaceful, and maybe it was that. And I think I I like this. I've still got a purpose because mm. you know we got to save the business. Fucking hell, pretty big purpose. But now I'm enjoying this. And me and Emma have always been tight anyway, uh, as in tight together, not like. Types of ducks arse with money, um, but it brought brought us even closer, and yeah, it's got a cool, good thing going with uh, with Emma and the girls, um, and even like Maddie said, you know, Maddie's the one who's obsessed with Instagram and Bora Bora and stuff. But when they're talking about a holiday, they say, well, you know, where should we go abroad? Because obviously we haven't been abroad for two years, whatever it is. And um, turned out her favourite holiday was going to Bluestone in Wales. So not going to Ibiza or Majorca or Minorca or Turkey. Go, going to a, a log cabin in Wales where it pissed down for most of the weekend. So it's like, shit. So even Maddie's realising yeah, what's, yeah. what's really important. And it's about being together. And ideally it wouldn't be raining. But just having that kind of time. Because I know when the girls were younger, when you go on holiday abroad, business was younger. So I was on my phone a lot more. And I know they know that. And to go away now, 
now that I've got my priorities more in order, that I'm a bit more present. So Yeah, I think that's massive. I mean, the first thing we did once lockdown lifted was move back to the countryside. It was just like, yeah, let's get out to the peace and quiet. And Yeah, going to visit our friends in London. It's great. It must be love London. We're going around Reading Street, Carnaby Street with the girls, and it was great. And, you know, we go to some bars and restaurants and... And yeah, sat in Wagamama's. And it's like, shit, Keith Lemon's come and sat next to me. It's just like, you know, it was lovely being back in Covent Garden. But fucking hell, yeah, I couldn't live there again. Yeah. and Not unless I was a multi-millionaire and had a house in Chelsea. That'd be all right. Would it, though? Like, that's, that's what's interesting, isn't it? It's like when, when you're forced into... A bolt a, hole. Yeah. One I could just go to for the weekend. That'd be cool. When you're forced into um, lockdown... It very quickly makes you realise everything you've got. And it very quickly makes you realise that the things you haven't got don't matter very much. Yeah, it'd be great for what you have, not what you mm. don't have. And, and you and I have both gone through on the materialistic side of things where you really want something or think you do. You get it. And a few days later, it's just another one of the things you've got. That's that's like exactly what I said to Maddie about her birthday present. She wanted this... Razor keyboard, R A Z R, you know, and it had lights and it's got. I says, it, it. I says, I presume it works just like another keyboard. And she was like, yes, but she wants it because she loves playing Roblox. Um, I can't remember what it costs, hundred thirty quid or something. Anyway, gave it to her. I said, enjoy it. But I said today, this is happiness. In a week's time, it will just be another keyboard. Do you understand? And she does understand. Yeah, I don't know whether she's remembered, but she certainly understood it at the time. It's really hard that, I th- and hopefully, one of the positives out of COVID will be for all of God. This is deep, but <laughs> for all of society, that throwaway culture will hopefully dumb down a little bit. That because, well, I'm a big believer that you're better off investing in experiences than you are things. Mm-hmm. Um, but people find it really hard to find the time to go and be present in an experience, but they're willing to grind themselves to the bone to buy a fancy car. And I like, that's really sad. Yeah. I certainly have less stuff now. The stuff I buy, something has to go. Um, And I'm tending to buy more expensive, better quality stuff now rather than throw away. Yeah. Because sometimes the girls, they're like, I found this dress on and basically this, this, Big name website. Found this dress and it's three quid. I'm like, Holly, do you think in a, any idea that that dress is going to be have been made ethically? You've got someone in a sweatshop. You, you can't make a dress, ship it over here for three pounds. It's a tough balance, isn't it, that? It's, that yeah, it's tricky because obviously – we're well aware there's some big brands that are doing exactly the same thing, but just charging a fortune for it, and you've got to find... And there are some big brands that are shit. But there are some things out there that, you know, that you pay and you get the according quality, and that's what I'm interested in. So if I can get a pair of really shoes that will last me a long time and fit really well, rather than some cheap shoes that I just throw away every year, Actually, I'll go. I'll go with the former. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, interestingly, on the on the experiential thing, one of my favourite memories with with you, uh, and considering you know we've had some massive business wins, we've launched a book together, um, we've 
bought stuff together. We'd been to big expos together. But we went to a Comic-Con together. Nothing to do with work. God, yeah, staying in the Easy Hotel. Was that that one? I think so. But we like <laughs> we just had such a great time. Like, we just had a really good day. Barely talked about work. Uh, pretty much everyone that knew we were going thought we were really sad for going. Mm-hmm. And it was just, we met loads of people. It was just brilliant. God, how long ago was that now? It's got to have been six or seven years ago. Bloody hell, really? Yeah, it was, that was like, before you know, Hannah, wasn't it? So, yeah, it's a long time ago. Oh, shit, really? Mm. Bloody hell, no, that's a good laugh, that was. Wow. Right. Oh, we sort of covered off some of these, so I'll rattle on. Um, how has your change in thinking impacted your approach to business? I'd like to think I'm better at disqualifying people now. Um, whereas, like, yeah, let's just help everyone. Um, I sort of mistakenly thought disqualifying someone comes towards the end of the process, the end of the funnel, if you were. People come into your periphery, you talk, you DM, you email, you meet up, whatever it might be. And then somewhere down the line, you're like, actually, I don't think I'm going to be able to help you. Mm. But now we sort of flip that and realize, because that's obviously just a lot of time, but ultimately isn't going to result in anything. So if you can disqualify people early, which is hard, because let's face it, who likes being told no? Yeah, yeah. But, eh, I mean, don't get me wrong, I still... I still do get it wrong, um, but hopefully a bit less often when someone's saying, I need help with some marketing. When can we start? And I'm like, oh, no, no, let's, you know, this is the process now. This needs to happen, followed by this, and then we'll know where we stand. No, 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 I just want to know. No, it doesn't work like that. This is this is what we've developed to ensure that we're right to help you. Yeah. And if we're not, it's like, no, there, there, there are other Marketing yeah. companies out there more suited. And it's that whole we want every every business that purchases from us to receive massive value. And so by having that step in place, it allows us to give massive value in yeah. that moment. But if we're a bad fit, everyone walks away on good terms. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So a few more. What's the one thing about you the listeners probably don't know? I'm six foot four. Deluded. Four foot six. Um, I don't remember a Mensa. Yeah, that's that's a good one. That. Are you an active member? No, you, you don't renew it. You just, you just pass the test and say. I read the magazine. Uh, no, no, I never, I never was. Even when I, I mean, because I joined when I was thirteen, I think. Um, but yeah, I was never really wanted to beat up and go and play chess and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah. Yeah, it was, it was high IQ at thirteen years old. It was nice, nice for my mum and dad. What happened after you were thirteen? It all went down. Knock, all. knock on the head. Yeah, we go. Oh, what your IQ is now? Mm. Uh, too discovered alcohol. <laughs> right. Uh, what's the best mistake you've ever made? Bloody hell! That's better than my Goonies question. I ask every guest on the podcast. Yeah, I need to start listening to some of those. Um, <laughs> what's the best mistake you ever made? Bloody hell. Wow, that is shit. That, that really has got me thinking. Can we play some music or something in the background whilst I... Da, 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 da. That was extenders. I don't know where I was going with that. Um, I was going to say it was to do with... God, this was years and years ago. 
it was it was something like well, I sent an invoice some a client who were just doing some local online advertising for they wanted some print doing that's it they wanted some print doing and obviously we we did local online advertising um but somehow we invoiced them for the print and it was like shit shit i i better figure out how i can get this stuff printed then and obviously, you know, called a few print houses and got a marketing background, so I sort of knew what I was talking about. Um, and I was like, here you go. The client was happy. That That's obviously the main thing. The client was happy. Um, I thought, oh, I've actually made ma- made some money on that. And um, so, right, okay, well, I now offer print services. And I said, well, what else should we offer? Well, what about web design? Do I know anything about web design? No, I could copyright for a web a website, but there must be people out there who I can outsource to. And then our local online advertising business became a bit more of a marketing agency. Um, yeah, so off the top of my head, maybe that was it, because I suppose that's where things started snowballing. And be like, oh, could you help with this? Could you? And and I know there's that Richard Branson thing about say yes and trying to figure out later. And now sometimes that's totally bitten me. Um, but so, like, oh, could you do this, Andy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you do it? Yeah, 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 yeah. So yes, find, Joel will figure it yeah, out. Find, find a freelancer, find someone. They'd obviously started recruiting and stuff. Um, and yeah, yeah, maybe that. Nice. And I was one of your first freelancers for content content for the uh, in your shiny business. suit. Yeah, my shiny suit. Yeah. Right. Last question. What's your favourite film and why? <laughs> Not the Goonies. Oh, Aliens. Oh, well, that was easy. Yeah, I watched it the other night. Why? Because um, it's not quite as good as Alien, but... Because it's it's one of those very rare occasions where it's much better than the original. Oh, Even though intellectuals always like to say, no, Alien's much deeper, you see, and it's, like, and it's got a couple of thespians in it. One's a horror film, one's an action film. Yeah, Alien's much better. Godfather 2, Aliens... Um, not Temple of Doom, obviously. It's going to say Terminator. Although I, although I oh, did, uh, although um, I, I did enjoy Temple of Doom. Obviously, it wasn't a patch on Raids of Lost Art, but then they bounced back with Last Crusade. That was fucking awesome. Uh, yeah. So yeah, yeah. Aliens because um, love the characters, love love the action, um, and I did like that genre change because I, I loved Alien, still do, but. If I was having a drink with Emma, so if we were back drinking again, as I actually watch Alien, we'd probably start it for when the when when the guy comes onto the ship with the with the egg in him. When it kicks off, yeah, when it kicks off, basically. We did. I got to be Emma and I. We, we there's watched, about forty five minutes before that as well, isn't there? Oh, more than that. Yeah, I think. it's um, uh, yeah. We we watch quite a lot of TV together. We have got similar tastes, but yeah. So action, you know. Sometimes we'll be watching Aliens like we were the other night. We're all right. What's Stath done? watch a Jason Statham film. Um, so, yeah, do, do do like action. Very rarely will we do sort of arts house and stuff. Yeah. Um, subtitles, yeah. no, can't be asked for that. Um, yeah, Aliens, there we go. What's yours? Place Beyond oh, the God, Pines. don't say bloody Beyond the Pine Tree or whatever it was. Art house film. <laughs> <laughs> Something about pineapples. Yeah, Why? No, Place Beyond the Pines. Uh, so... It's a film in two parts. The first part is about two blokes 
And the second part is about how the behaviour of the two blokes impacts their children when they grew up. Uh, and um, uh, at no point, uh, yeah. Any aliens in it? No, no aliens. Anyone get shot? Yeah. Any colonial marines? No. No. Oh. So, yeah, no. I, I, no, of course, I, I think maybe aliens were cemented for me uh, when we went to that Comic-Con and we, we watched a live Q&A with Bill Paxton, who was, of course, uh, Hudson in Aliens. And, and I mean, well, bloody hell, because he's pally with, he was pally with James Cameron. The, fil- the films he's been yeah. in, Terminator, Titanic, True Lies, um, Aliens, I mean... Obviously, he's he, in Apollo 13. Apollo so. 13. And it just, he seemed, Twister. Don't just, forget Twister. Twister. Oh, I love that film. He, was, he just seemed like such a nice, genuinely humble... When, when he died, at a stupidly... What was it? A complication TV. from surgery? Yeah, had his heart surgery, I think, and then died after. Oh, gutting. But, you know, because I suppose he's never really a leading man, even though, like, say, Apollo 13, he had a big role. Yeah, but not many people know who he is when yeah. you bring it up. Yeah. It's... Um, but then if you show them a picture, everyone knows who he is. He's like, he's one of them. It's really interesting on on that Q&A when he was talking about the filming of it, how it was all filmed in Britain and, and the order they shot the scene. So so there's a scene in Aliens before they go on their mission where they're all hanging in this hangar deck together. And that was actually filmed at the very end because by then the the cast had got to know each other. So they, they all did seem familiar, like yeah, they yeah. did work together. And yeah, that yeah, that really so sad about Bill Paxton. So to sign off, that's why you need a vision. Um, you may or may not have seen that we've been running some webinars, so keep an eye out for our next webinar. You can sign up from our socials or from our website, and we'll catch you again for episode three hundred, hopefully. Nice. Stay hungry.